Hello, hello, and welcome to Hometown Daily, Season 2, Episode 209, for July 28th, 2023. Swift Seismic Seattle Shift. Hello, everybody. I am Mayor Watt. That is hometown.com, and up there is the AI that keeps tabs on me and makes sure that I don't do anything, I don't know, presidential. Um, you want to say hello to everybody? Good evening, hometown citizens. Yeah, it, none of that just makes sense, but it, it'll make sense. Like ultimately, in the grand scheme of things, when people start connecting the dots, they'll go, "Oh, yeah, presidential like that, president, presidential like that, president, presidential like that." Pretty much every president. Um. Anyway, so we've uh. I don't know about preamble today. I, I'm uh, hopped up on energy drinks and coffee and uh, and more caffeine, but supposedly sugar-free stuff. Uh, I don't know. I'm twitching over here, and I'm twitching right now. So uh, welcome to the show. And uh, again, we have already got all 12 of the articles. You can go over and vote if you go to, well, just hit exclamation point and vote, and that'll give you the link to where you can vote you'll end up right here hometown daily election and if you are really interested in all of the past stuff you can click on that button right there but go to hometown.com uh when you're free or if you have another uh if you have the ability to open up another tab um and and go over there you can vote on the articles that we are going to talk about today but i'm also going to throw them into the chat so stick around um if you have any questions comments or concerns throw them into chat as well we'll all have a discussion about it uh, we start at nine o'clock go until about 11. sometimes we deviate from whatever the article is it's called associative thinking uh, it's it's an honor and a privilege and uh, a curse to have that function in my head where you can start out talking about I don't know, chocolate chip cookies at a Trader Joe's that has possible rocks and insects in it. And you end up talking about soybeans in Taiwan or something. And everything is connected. And uh, eventually I drag it kicking and screaming back into the confines of hometown.com. Doesn't make much sense when you first start to witness it. But in the grand scheme of things, it does. So let's get into the very first article, unless, oh great AI, you want to add something? Uh, I'll just say I've borne witness to the associative thinking and even the AI has a hard time keeping up. Man, I'm going to work on your programming. Let's get into it. So the very first article is over in the word and law. Each time I say that there is a location for an article, that's actually a channel, a, a, a place where news is filtered down into each one of these locations at hometown.com is actually a show that I'm trying to spin up here on hometown uh, on Twitch. Eventually they get turned into a YouTube video and a podcast. And so I am looking for hosts or co-hosts. So if you are interested in a particular topic, that you find over at hometown.com or another one and you want to add it to hometown there's 50 options right now um <laughs> I, i'm 
I'm pretty sure that there's one for everybody, uh, but I'm looking for people that are interested in being a host one day a week, uh, upwards of two hours um, a week. Get in touch. Send an email to mayor at hometown.com and we'll have a discussion about it. Okay. Well, this first article in the word in law, this is why we can't have nice things like AI. It is a veritable smorgasbord of AI activities. That is the title of this segment. Um, I'm just going to go straight on over to it because it, the, the, the little snippet, we always get really short snippets from above the law. That's intentional. Um, don't you hate it when reality mimics dystopian fiction? Well, this is an article um, written by Nicole Black over at Above the Law in a segment that they call AI Legal Beat. Um, okay, <laughs> so this is quite fascinating, and I'm just going to get into uh, some of the observations that this article makes. Uh, they mentioned 1984, uh, but then they talk about why we can't have nice things like AI, like Pentagon-funded AI used to detect violations of social norms based on texts sent by users. Um, the uh, Chinese social credit system, um, which is something that I have talked about for the last almost decade now, um, where it, what that uh, essentially amounts to is neighbors tracking neighbors to make sure that they don't purchase or do things that are uh, out of alignment with the native culture, with the culture as it is. Um, now, I just read a news report the other day, I think it was yesterday, maybe the day before, where the same thing happened with a country singer who was going to have a concert at the ground level of the pyramids. Um, and they got booted because it didn't align with the cultural norms. Um, and that one of the things was, um, they, the, the person practice weird rituals or something like that. And, uh, it, it's really all about trying to, um, I don't know, the equivalent of circle the wagons or be very protectionist and, and isolationist and xenophobic and, and whatnot. Um, because you know, you, you can't have anybody challenge anything of a cultural norm. Well, the social credit system and violations of social norms is pretty much the same thing. You have this social credit system that if you purchase something or do something that's out of what's accepted, your social credit score goes down. This is in place right now in China that prevents hundreds of thousands of people from traveling or going to the grocery store um, to get certain things. And it's amplified by neighbors and friends and family because everybody knows who's impacting their social credit score based on everything that I have seen. Well, we've experienced that. And yesterday I talked about how uh, Facebook manipulated the news feed of 700,000 people. And then they just recently did it again. Um, so <laughs> this is a Pentagon funded study, but if you look into it, I can almost guarantee you that it was 
um, prosecuted by business. It wasn't something that was directly uh, prosecuted by a government agent. Um, but I haven't followed this link. Um, I know about the violations of social norms study, um, but I don't recall the minutia of it right now. Anyway, um, I'll end up looking at that again uh, after the show. So I've seen Nosedive. It envisions a world where social media users' ratings of each other have real-world consequences. Um, you rate people in real time about all of their activities. It's quite fascinating. Um, if you've never heard of Black Mirror, uh, go in and uh, look it up. You will be amazed that it's almost <laughs> prescient in how it is predicting the way that things are headed. Um, maybe it's low-hanging fruit um in the grand scheme of things but uh it's all very dystopian and kind of freaky um and that's just the first pit uh, bit of this article so imagine going through the rest of this um it's going to be quite enlightening meanwhile the pentagon are busy re requisitioning thought police studies uh, actual cops are busy using ai to watch millions of cars and predict whether you might be a criminal based on suspicious patterns of movement don't you hate it when reality mimics dystopian fiction? Um, and if that wasn't bad enough, on the other side of the pond, British businesses are using unreliable and biased facial recognition software to ban people from shopping in grocery stores. A faulty identification uh, mistakes are accepted as an unfortunate but expected outcome. And we have our own things. Go ahead. Does that remind you of the Madison Square Garden That's exactly attorney issue? Say. Yep, that's exactly what I was going to say. Um, do you want to describe that? Um, essentially, an attorney with a law firm was picked up on, um, I guess, facial recognition and banned from entering a site that was owned by the same company as some company that was in litigation with them. And she wasn't even an attorney on that case. So it connected her to the firm. It connected, I guess, one company to the owner of the company etc and then it was all tied together with facial recognition yeah and what were they doing why were they there oh it was like a girl scout uh outing <laughs> i think to the uh radio city music hall yeah it was it? like a brownie troop going to see the rockets right. <laughs> yeah at madison square uh, garden um just it's shocking um, and it's this kind of stuff that we are charging into with a lot of people um, really hero worshiping AI. Um, and I keep uh, peeling back the layers of the onion where I understand the benefits of AI. I really do. Um, it can empower people that don't have certain abilities to do stuff that is well without outside their uh, wheelhouse, right? Um, creating music. It, it takes decades sometimes to create something successful but with ai and the wisdom of all of humanity basically being tapped for the creation of music or writing or art um while i think that it's empowering for people who don't have those innate abilities or time to dedicate to developing those skills i think that it's going to impact the people who have done that I think it'll amplify the cost involved with human built because humans will appreciate what humans do. 
while many others, it's kind of like the Pareto principle, right? 80, 20, um, 80% of the population only wants something that they think is good enough. While 20% will be very dedicated to only human constructed works, whatever it might be. Well, the cost for those items, for those human created products are going to go up, but it's also going to be because they're more appreciated. It is the nature of, I think, a technological revolution under AI. This creepy stuff is what I'm worried about, where you're being tracked perpetually. Every beep, fart, and whistle that emanates around you is going to be tracked. And I talk to people about how their internet activity, their internet provider knows every website that they go to. And if you use somebody else's DNS, they know every website that you go to. Um, if you uh, are watching TV on cable, they know everything that you're watching. If you su subscribe to a service somewhere else, some other app, they know everything that you're doing. Um, you are literally not in charge of your privacy because we have billionaire fever dreams who whose uh, fever dream has become a reality that privacy is nothing. It's dead. It's gone. And it's so self-serving that it turns my stomach because if we were to keep things under our control, they wouldn't be able to capitalize. You were about to say something? Yeah, I was going to say, and I think even more alarming than all of these where people are under kind of constant surveillance is the, I understand it's research, but the thought police, I mean, that screams minority report yeah it's one thing to surveil somebody and and catch them in a crime it's another to go hmm you were thinking about uh robbing that store or whatever um, well m my problem goes a little bit deeper in the i don't like being surveilled because i might commit a crime right Everybody at some point rolls through a stop sign or, um, you know, they stop, but they coast or it's a yellow light a little bit too long. And so your tail end is still in the intersection when you go through it. Um, but if you're always monitored, how far away are we from those cameras that are speed traps being perpetually on? And no matter what you're doing, you're you're going to get a. An historical record of your travel crimes and then you do something somewhere else um, and it just goes on and on and on because there isn't enough resistance by society to say this is where it needs to stop for crying out loud we have people that are striking right now because they're they sign a contract and suddenly their entire identity is on the line of being scanned by an AI and then capitalized on in perpetuity um, but it does smack of a story that I said would be really great. So everybody's in charge of their likeness. And if you want to use the likeness, then you pay me. Um, so this article has quite a bit of content. Um, 
And so hopefully I teased you into being interested in going over to the website. So there is the link that'll go through hometown. All roads go through hometown and um, you can read more about it, but it's definitely that we can't have nice things like AI because they'll get abused. If everybody just thought of them as a simple tool to empower instead of a simple tool to abuse everybody else with, um, Shocking concept, subtle, but distinct difference. Let's keep going. Uh, this next article, this will, this one will be fast. It's kind of like a PSA because incandescent light bulb ban uh, goes into effect next week. So if you're not ready for it, dun, 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 it's gotta be California, but this says Dallas, uh, come I Tuesday. I didn't even know this one was coming. Yeah, I had heard about this um, and there had been some uproar, kind of a, like um, the gas stove, electric stove fiasco. Come Tuesday, while it won't be illegal to own incandescent light bulbs, it'll be illegal for stores to sell them and companies to manufacture them. The federal government's warnings started in January and have been getting progressively more aggressive as they want to make sure Americans don't go back in time. The government announced a ban on the manufacturing and selling of incandescent bulbs, saying it will help Americans save money and help the environment. If only LEDs were true, full range, true color, white light, um, I would have no problem. Um, but while I have no real issue with LED lights, some people do. Um, they cast an orange, not white light they, or blue or some variation uh, off of true natural light. Um, they're not as bright at times. And when you can get them to that brightness, they are very, very expensive. Um, so, but I've got smart bulbs all over the place, so I'm not too concerned myself uh, but i understand that there are people out there and industries that want incandescent bulbs because they're more true color um the article though is over at the hill by stephanie haynes and devin markham uh, the doe warned retailers in january that the ban will go into effect in august led lights use 75 percent less energy and last 25 times longer than incandescent at least until they're the ones that's the dominant force and then hmm manufacturing and physics suddenly says well they only last uh three years sorry uh and anyway it says critics um list that up the ban is government overreach people should decide for themselves well <laughs> in well, many cases we know what would happen in wyoming <laughs> well, everything would just be a gas burner. Um, so where I was going to go was uh, people don't know what they don't know. And so for a long time, there were metal pots and pans that were lined with a chemical agent that everybody was saying was safe, but it was poisoning people and giving them cancer. And it took government and prosecution and a whole lot of people getting hurt for you know these pots and pans to get nixed asbestos same thing 
cigarettes. There were people that were selling them saying that they were healthy for you for crying out loud. And, and still to this day, they're still being sold because there's so much money involved and correlation is not causation. So, you know, of course, cigarettes don't cause cancer, except, you know, we know for a fact it does, but it's government that is putting pressure on companies to stop selling stuff that's killing people because you know, if five people in one town die because of a product, the rest of the world doesn't know that that product is killing people. The only way that, that, that people know is because people start finding out about it because researchers are looking at the products going, well, this stuff is killing people. That's why there were, you know, people could be harmed in a, big numbers, but it's still isolated because it's a big world. Well, the federal government basically is now saying you got to stop making incandescent bulbs. I think there were other issues about these incandescent bulbs other than just cost. Um, but I'm, I'm trying to figure, I, I'm trying to recall what one of the things was, um, but it, it's not about the money. It, there's something else going on with incandescent uh, lights. I mean, they have low energy efficiency, but that is kind of covered right. in the article. Um, so it says here the agency also claimed that discontinuing inefficient uh, incandescent lights will save Americans nearly $3 billion yearly and substantially reduce carbon dioxide emissions over 30 years. Um, maybe that's the one, that's the part that I'm trying to hunt down but there were i thought there was something else some chemistry inside the incandescent bulbs about the lining of it um at any rate so yeah you're not going to be able to get any more incandescent bulbs so expect incandescent bulb prices to shoot through the roof um if they haven't already i mean they can already... definitely have um loose electrical connections, loose contacts, etc. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, we'll keep an eye on this and see. Maybe I can uh, do a little bit of due diligence after this. Okay, let's keep going. The next article is over in the Warcrafters channel. Remnant 2 is a hit, beating everything except CSGO on Steam's weekly top sellers list. Um, I haven't gotten Remnant 2. I haven't played the original Remnant or there's a, a second one um, from the Ashes, I think it is. Um, but there's there's two different versions, I think, and then Remnant 2, if I recall correctly. But at any rate, uh, Remnant 2 is a blast to watch people play. Uh, and I'm really fighting the urge to, to get this game and play it. Um, there's no base building there's no survival it's basically you build up your care it's a souls like game where you die and replay and you basically keep on dying and replaying until you map out how best to defeat a particular boss to get to the boss you have to do certain things find certain things fix uh, like a trip certain events so that all of the steps necessary to get equipment and, and, and build up your character, um, is done. And then, 
and it has these great little meta puzzles that are built into it so that you have to like uh, touch certain things or shoot certain things it's a blast to watch um the graphics are spectacular um that said if i buy this thing and i play it and i stream it it'll be one day of streaming because the way that the stream will end is me flipping this table because I really don't like dying and then running off and getting back into the same spot and then dying and going back to the same spot again and again to uh, to learn how to beat the bosses. Um, and I'm just a filthy casual. So it would be on the easy setting and uh, apparently people really don't like uh, watching people play a game uh, people don't like watch uh, watching somebody playing a game that is on easy mode um so yeah if i were to put it on the really the hardest mode i can't even remember what it's called uh, my head would explode so here's to all the casuals out there uh, i'll end up playing uh, a more chill game and uh <laughs> watch a uh, Dunkstar or Bold Zebra play. Uh, Remnant. Anyway, it's a great game. Go and check it out. Um, the article, though, is over at PCGamer.com. Tyler Wilde is the author. Um, what's really cool about this is you can play with up to three people all together. Uh, not four, not two. Um, you can play up to three, including yourself. So um, it's pretty cool. You basically... Um, everybody ha has a role to play and when it's imbalanced, then they're not really necessarily as effective, but you get somebody who's a tank that takes all the beating you do. You get somebody that's DPS that does all the damage and you get somebody that plays the healer that keeps everybody alive. Um, and it plays really well. I mean, it's just a, a really fun environment when you've got three people and when you're watching somebody in their crew, you got to and they all get along and they're having fun and they really enjoy the game. Um, it is a blast to watch this just kind of play for eight hours. Somebody will sit there and play this game, uh, stream it uh, during the day. And it's it's just a lot of fun to watch. I kind of gush about this because it really does bring out the best of a, a crew of people um, to see them playing this game that would normally drive somebody nuts. Uh, but they always everybody that i ever watch is like having a great old time and giggling about jokes and even when they're dying again and again so remnant 2 hasn't had time yet to build up the same volume of steam user reviews as its predecessor but the review at pc gamer is positive and uh, its current peak concurrent player count is just shy of 84,000 people it's well above the first game's peak of 48,200 again i round up um, at the moment, it's among the top 10 uh, most played Steam games by current player count. So um, the original was back in 2019, so it's had four years worth of uh, player appreciation and development. So I would probably hazard a guess that this is not because the game is particularly good just that the customer base has been amplified remnant 2 is just good regardless of what bugs people have been talking about 
Remnant 2 is an absolute blast to watch people play. I can't speak on behalf of players themselves um, because I'm not a player of this game, but um, I'm really tempted to get it. Okay, well, let's. Uh, you're not really into that kind of stuff, right? As an AI, you're not. You're more in the no, more pragmatic stuff. But I was okay. surprised by the that it was in the top ten games. Like I would have thought the top ten would have been reserved for ones that perhaps are more well known. Yeah, I mean, it has great graphics. The sound effects are great. The music is great. the The story is kind of minimal it doesn't nothing you do gets in the way of the story and the story doesn't force itself upon you you just kind of play and you stumble through the the story um so in in so much as the story m might hinder people appreciating the game um everything else about it overwhelms people and and they end up loving this game so uh, and it's only been out for a short time, only like a week or something like that. Um, it was its release date, but it had pre-orders and stuff that people had access to and, um, there were bonuses and stuff. So fun game. Let's keep going. Uh, the next article is over in the Hatch Ideas channel. Uh, these are the states in America that are the least prepared for extreme weather. I'm just going to jump straight on over to CNBC and Scott Cohn or Khan, I'm not sure how he pronounces his last name. Um, but anyway, it's uh, America's top states for business. And, but this section is uh, the states that are least prepared for extreme weather. And they have these key points that I always talk about um, first. The series of uh, extreme weather events the past year, ranging from oppressive heat and wildfires to catastrophic floods and storms and massive financial losses that have followed, highlight the critical, how critical it is for states to increasingly be prepared. Um, companies are increasingly considering these climate risks when they decide where to locate or expand their facilities, and this includes. Uh, insurance companies that have bowed out of California and Florida, I think in Texas now, um, because of the risk associated with climate change. <clears throat> um, not quite sure how people can deny climate change and then at, <laughs> at the mere mention of increased temperatures, flooding, fires, etc., insurance companies bow out, kind of makes it real. Um, CNBC's annual America's Top States for Business study measures how well states are or are not prepared to handle whatever weather is thrown at them. Um, let's run down. I'm just going to show you the, the first and last of this, and maybe in between we'll, we'll talk about something else. But New York is the least prepared, um, tied with Alabama. That's pretty shocking. Wisconsin, South Carolina. California. <laughs> that's only uh, surprising that it's number seven and not number one, right? Because that's not the, the worst. Right. Isn't number one the worst? Yeah. yeah. Um, Pennsylvania. Uh, New Jersey. Um, there are pictures here that show like cars laying on top of other cars because of a flood, trees that are knocked over because of uh, wind. This is Connecticut is tied for third, um, uh, which shows a, a wind turbine 
and frankly, I my problem with wind turbines is they're not defensible and they're not necessarily stable. So in horrible weather, I, the instability of the turbine can lead to its own destruction because it'll be thrown out of balance. And with that much power, it has to shut down and and then it's basically at the whim of nature uh, to a greater degree than, you know, a coal fired power plant or nuclear power. Um, and then there's Florida, number two, least prepared, which you would think uh, maybe they would lean into emergency preparedness, but well, it really depends who governs it, I suppose, how much they dedicate back into the state. And then uh, number one for least prepared is Louisiana. Again, I mean, that doesn't surprise me based on historical disasters for Louisiana, although I might have thought Florida would beat that one but for least prepared see my dilemma is that you would think that a state that it bears witness to natural disasters again and again and again would be be prepared yeah i mean yeah no i agreed but the benefits of these states i think are born from or i should say the preparedness is born from the federal level lever (laughs) the federal level being leveraged into the state um, and staging in each state. So FEMA has staging areas in pretty much every state that I know of. Um, And they get activated and they work with local emergency management organizations within each state. So, you know, uh, um, Louisiana, this state here, would have its own state-based emergency management facilities and it would work hand in hand or shoulder to shoulder with FEMA. Um, But how they could be number one least prepared is pretty fascinating. It says hurricanes are an unfortunate fact of life in the Pelican State. Louisiana was uh, spared from major storms in 2022 and residents are knocking on wood so far for 2023. But Hurricane Ida slammed the state two years ago, making landfall at Port Fourchon, I guess as a category four storm on the 16th anniversary of hurricane Katrina, I'd have killed 33 people. Um, you know what, look at their properties at risk. Yeah. 60.3%. Is that, I wonder if that's because of sea level, like, are they below? That's uh, what I'm thinking. They are. And they've also got a lot of, um, um some of the cities are located between the ocean and other waterways so they're they kind of have like get washed over yeah problems if if there's a hurricane or flooding or whatever right it's either going to come from the ocean or it's going to come from inland out to the ocean um and then they only have 4.1 percent renewable energy so their climate extremes index is 23.64 but we don't know what that actually amounts to um so they got 141 out of 390 points so the top states grade f <laughs> wow um so wait fl- but florida got a b, a I b. Think. yeah and that but, tells you something because we see a lot of coverage of course of natural disasters in florida yeah that's a particular rationale though this is because it's the 2023 infrastructure score so florida like i said florida's prepared 
infrastructure wise, but there's so many properties at risk um, and they're not really paying attention to the climate extremes index, I suppose, because it's uh, around the same level as the um, Louisiana one. Um, but it has more uh, renewable energy. So I, I find it interesting um, that they their infrastructure score is so high, yet they're still number two as least prepared. Has to be this, this kind of a thing, you know, um, when buildings get hit by some strong wind, they all just get destroyed and you have to start over from scratch. But let's keep on going. If you don't mind, do you want to, did you want to add anything to this? No, no. Okay. Let's keep going. We've got a lot of articles to cover. Uh, the next article is in the mobile channel. Researchers discover how mitochondria call for help when under duress. You get a really strong micro microphone and a microscope and you, you kind of focus that the microphone like this one right here. Um, this is the beacon mic. And um, if you get it really close to the microscope, you can hear them. Help me. Help me. You know that. I don't think that's exactly how this works. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I'm not a Scientology or scientificology. Wait, I'm not sure what it is. What's the term for a person that does mitochondria? research like a biologist maybe is it a mitochondriologist no <laughs> no okay well researchers discover how mitochondria the powerhouse of the cell call for help when under stress they say i need a latte i can't even <laughs> as life propagated across the earth in the form this article starts really early uh, in the form of the widest variety of single-celled organisms sometime between 3.5 and 1 billion years ago, one such organism managed an evolutionary coup and charged the cap. No, sorry. Um, uh, instead of devouring and digesting bacteria, it encapsulated its prey and used it as a source of energy. Dun, dun, dun. As a host cell, it offered protection and nutrition in return. Is that... That's pretty fascinating. So uh, this article is over at phys.org. Uh, I don't know how to pronounce that. Goeth? Goeth? Goeth University, Frankfurt, um, Maine. Um, uh, this is referred to the endosymbiotic theory, according to which that one single organism, single-celled organism, was the primordial mother of all higher cells. You know, we have another mother article. And it's not as sweet, but apparently it's as evolution based as this, um, out of which all animals, fungi and plants developed over the course of billions of years, the encapsulated bacterium became the cell's powerhouse. The I just said that that's, that's funny. It's the powerhouse of the cell. Um, that stuck with me from grade school. Um, anyway, the hey, that must've been a great teacher. Very textbook. They were very traumatic. Um, the mitochondrion, which supplies it with cellular energy uh, currency, ATP. It uh, lost a large part of its genetic material, its DNA, and exchanged smaller DNA segments with the mother cell. 
However, now, as in the past, mitochondria divide independently of the cell and possess some genes of their own. One of those things that has stuck with me is that mitochondria only come from the mom. I, yes. <laughs> Which is very odd. Um, it's really interesting. So, so is that code for the moms are under stress? So me, oh, oh, wow. Wow. That takes it to another like metaphysical level. Um, wow. Don't feel stressed because if you get stressed, you're stressing out your mother. That's right. <laughs> so everybody, know, that sounds like a guilt trip for everybody. Yeah. Everybody stop stressing me out because I'm stressing out my mom. Let me do something real quick. Um, there's light bulbs and I have to add this article back into the chat and this article into the chat. Really sorry, folks. I've been slacking. Um, oh, and just to make sure uh, you've put that one into the chat as well. There you go, folks. Um, so uh, the mitochondria responds to stress by producing more chaperones, folding assistance to fold the proteins in order to reduce the misfolding as well as protein shredding units that degrade the misfolded proteins. Until now, how cells trigger this uh, protective mechanism was unknown. The researchers from Goethe University Frankfurt artificially triggered misfolding stress in the mitochondria of cultured human cells and analyzed the result. Quote, which makes it um, what makes it difficult to unravel such signaling processes is that it, an incredibly large number take place simultaneously and at high speed in the cell, explains Munk himself, a biochemist. So they basically start doing more and then shredding their mistakes. So it's kind of like a Six Sigma process where they touch everything and make sure that it reaches a certain level of quality before going out. So is I this guess. like Marie Kondo kind of uh, <laughs> activity or no? Mm, how so? Uh, like, um, now I can't think of the terminology, but it was basically like simplify everything and find your joy and, you know, only owning three <laughs> items or whatever. <laughs> uh, I don't think that's what mitochondria are doing. They're actually going completely nuts processing as much as possible and offering and forcing more processes into existence. So they, they, uh, start folding. If they misfold, they stress out, they, um, bring out, where is it called? Um, chaperones folding assistants that monitor the misfolds. And if they're misfolding, then they shred them. Um, so basically it's like, um, a fast food restaurant getting overwhelmed and they bring in more temporary workers for certain hours. Um, yeah. So either way it's bad. You don't want to be stressed because then you get protein misfolding, which means that the efficacy of the proteins is no yeah, longer things can happen <laughs> yeah at 99.9996 you know when it drops below that 9996 point then oh man the paperwork that's involved 
The next article is over in Hatch Ideas as well. This is our PSA for the night. Ford Recall. Well, actually, there was an <laughs> earlier one. More than one. Yes. Yeah. Um, this one, though, is Ford Recall's 870,000 F 150 trucks over unexpected parking brake activation, which we've had other F 150 truck recall notices in uh, Ohm Town over the years. Um, over the months, I should say. Uh, maybe even weeks. Hell. So if you own an F-150, um, you are at risk of unexpected electric parking brake activation, which is caused by a potential wiring issue. Um, the article is over at CNBC. It just says Reuters, so there's no author known. Um, I don't think that it has to do with uh, lightning, but they are highlighting the lightning, um, which has a frunk a front trunk. Um, see, I can make snarky comments, but anyway, uh, Ford is uh, said on Friday that it's recalling 870,000 F-150 trucks in the United States because of the unexpected activation of the electronic parking brake due to potential wiring issues. Uh, the recall covers 2021 through 2023 model year F-150 trucks, according to the filing with the NHTSA. Um, let's see, Ford said that it received 918 warranty claims and three field reports for the wire chafing, uh, condition in North America of those 299 indicated the electronic parking brake had activated unintentionally, including 19 while driving. See, and this is one of the things that I'm talking about. How many of you out there would have known if not for a government mandated recall because Ford would have just buried this would have addressed it just like the Tesla issue. It would be buried by the company by spinning up a team of people to bury the issue. Why? Because it's more cost effective to let you crash out on a freeway um, than it is to actually do a recall of 870,000 trucks. Anyway, dealers will install protective tie wrap, tape wrap, and replace the harness as necessary. So, duct tape and spit. And where needed. That makes me feel comfortable when I'm hurtling down the highway at however many miles per hour. Well, you're safe. You're on a USB drive plugged into a Raspberry Pi in a lab. I was speaking hypothetically. Oh, once you have your Terminator body, got it. Let's keep going. Uh, the next article is over in Late Night Geeks. NASA Plus is the latest streaming competitor. Man, I did this before it was cool. I had a service that I spun up uh, 30 years ago that had the Plus extension on it. <laughs> I know, you were a trendsetter. Yeah. Uh, NASA Plus is the latest streaming competitor, a voyage into the streaming verse. The Federal Space Agency is announcing a new NASA Plus streaming service that will bring the on-demand non-sci-fi space content you crave to TVs, mobile devices, everywhere. And best of all, NASA says that it'll be ad-free, no cost, and family-oriented. Well, family-friendly. You'll be able to watch live coverage of future launches, documentaries, and brand new original series the agency is producing exclusively for NASA Plus. 
But NASA does a lot of stuff. I, I don't know. I'm going to have to watch this. I'm really curious. Um, the article is housed over at The Verge. Umar Shakir is the uh, author of this. Uh, the deck statement says, set aside all your plus streaming services. This subscription free uh, one from NASA is about to lift off. <laughs> they should have said take off. Take off, you hoser. I don't know if that's a bad word nowadays or not. Anyway, it's from Strange And you're not Brew. Canadian. <laughs> I am not Canadian, eh? Um, it's from, uh, and that's stuck in my head because of the movie Strange Brew, which I ended up buying because I had the earworm of Strange Brew in my head and I had to, I needed closure. Anyway, you'll be able to watch live coverage of future launches, documentaries, and brand new original series the agency is producing exclusively for NASA+. Plus. Do you think you'll be watching this? Do you, are you going to come home from a long day working in the, what, crypto mine? Uh, I don't know. And, uh, and decompress by watching NASA+. Plus. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> I would watch it. <laughs> yeah <laughs> but it seems like an odd channel because obviously nasa is a government agency so um but it does seem like there would actually be a lot of interest in it assuming they're going to going to show you know rocket launches etc not people sitting working out algorithms or something it's going to be nothing but full frontal nudity um, it will be available in all the places you watch other services like Netflix and Disney Plus, and it'll also be uh, have a home on the agency's brand new beta website. So you'll be able to be watching NASA Plus pretty much everywhere and another app to add to your collection. Got to collect them all. I it's mean, like, we're going to be up to so many and you called it. We have to have a segment. We maybe we need another show. You know, I mean, I do have 50 of them already in the hopper, you know, waiting for a host or co-host. Can't do them all. Um, but we need another one, like a, an app-based Pokemon show where you got to collect all of the apps. It's <clears throat> funny. And you, we can dual, we can have battles where you pick an app and I pick an app and then people can vote on which Smash app is. Smash or Trash. The, it's like Smash or Trash, yeah. Although Smasher Trash is for something else, but that's okay. We'll talk about that another time. You want to keep going through them? We still have Sounds like good. half the show. Let's keep going. If you're in chat and you have any questions or comments, feel free to throw something in chat. Let your voice be heard. Um, the next article is over in the Hatch Ideas channel. How the world went from a semiconductor shortage to a major glut. I'm thinking that when covid happened everybody went home and bought equipment so there was a big ramp up uh a, a shortage oh, caused like manufacturing by manufacturing uh, plus up yep and um because of this uh ramping up of uh home-based computers and electronics the shortage was amplified by the inconsistent health levels of manufacturing personnel, even though a large number of it is automated. Um, people still need to do the packing and shipping and etc. Um, 
and now the pandemic is largely over except for Arizona right now. There's a whole bunch of people apparently um, in a different way. Uh, the heat wave is causing people uh, to become ill and or die at the level of COVID. Um, yeah, right now, apparently. So there's this shortage of uh, chips during the pandemic and then they're still producing and it lags. So now you have a whole bunch. Um, but let's see if I'm predicting this right. Arjun Karpal over at CNBC put the article together. It says a semiconductor shortage that affected everything from cars to game consoles during the height of the COVID-19 pandemic has turned into a chip glut in some parts of the market. It comes after companies began to stockpile chips to build up inventories, but then the economy slowed down and demand for products like smartphones and laptops evaporated. Memory chips, Samsung uh, and its rivals, SK Hynix and Micron have had a tough time as a result. So memory chips, I hope, have gone down in price because um, uh, DDR memory is really expensive. Well, it used to be really expensive, the newest generation. Uh, DDR5. So um, let's see. COVID-19 pandemic caused huge disruption in the supply chain and production chips as consumers stuck at home went mad for products like PCs and smartphones. There you go. This boosted demand for semiconductors such as memory chips made by Samsung, Hynix, um, and uh, Micron. And uh, it also increased demand for less advanced chips required for processes like power management and devices. So it led to widespread shortage. And now everybody's ramped up trying to meet that demand, but nobody's buying because everything's so damn expensive. Um, but Or they already bought one. Correct. They already purchased it. Um, and one of the bigger problems in history has been memory chips. They've they've kind of uh what do you call it whipsawed back and forth between too much and too little and then price fixing and and then being slapped on the hand um and then now newer technologies have come out um so the ddr memory um is being superseded by a new style of memory that's basically just a a flat panel instead of sticks that you put side by side it's pretty interesting uh, allows for a, th a thinner computer at any rate um, from profit boost to income plunge the pandemic induced shortage of semiconductors helped boost chip makers profits as prices jumped this whole supply and demand um, enterprise the uh, this included Samsung the world's largest memory chip manufacturer I won't get into all of this stuff um, but their uh, profits are starting to drop after having massive profits um since the pandemic and it's basically catching up um but still they have record profits because the prices are staying high so we'll keep on monitoring this and uh, talk to everybody about it as um yeah as the news comes in sorry um, the reason why I'm stumbling is because I yet again did not post all of the articles into chat. It's almost like I need the AI to do this, but have yet to read them in on 
posting these articles. I could do it all at nine um, and then people can go back and get it. Or you can actually hit exclamation point vote and that will give you the link to where the, all of the articles are. Um, so let's keep going. This next article um, is uh, gonna shake you up. Yeah, the next article is over in the Marvel Channel. Seismic activity in Seattle could have been caused by Taylor Swift fans. <clears throat> fans at uh, Swift's The Eras Tour may have been screaming, crying, and jumping so loud during the American Singer Saturday and Sunday shows that the caused an earth-shaking equivalent to a 2.3 magnitude earthquake. <laughs> a local geology professor at Western University, Western Washington University, Jackie Captain Auerbach, uh, said she observed the shaking over a 10-hour period for each concert to compare their seismic activity to the 2011 beast quake, a moment of notable fan-caused earth-shaking after former Seahawks player uh, let, hold on. I need to read the whole quote properly. Um, after a former Seahawks player, Marshawn Lynch scored a stunning touchdown during a major game. Wow. <laughs> I mean, that must've been some touchdown. Um, yeah. Earth rattling. Apparently Tara Suter over at the Hill put this article together. Um, and uh, let's see, the shaking was twice as strong as Beastquake, Captain. <laughs> it's a hyphenated last name, but it's like a title. Captain Auerbach uh, told CNN it's at, it absolutely doubled it. Lumen Field, the home of the sports teams, the Seattle Seahawks, Seattle uh, Sounders Football Club, and Swift's recent concerts, has a history of loudness. In 2013, Seahawks fans broke the noise record for the loudest outdoor sports stadium on multiple occasions at what was known at the time as CenturyLink Field. That's pretty amazing. So again, one person has been the nexus for some shocking data. Yeah, I mean, we've got earthquakes, we've got GDP shifts, um, revenue um, generation, you know, stadium records. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's amazing. And, and legal precedents, you know? Oh yeah, that's true. And but also it, the most number one albums, I think by a female singer. <laughs> I mean, I just, it's like day after day, there's just a new record. Uh, I got out of bed. on to the next article before I start dwelling. The next article is over in the continuity report. Jingles are out. Sonic identities like the Netflix Tadum are in. The second coming of the corporate jingle in ads and marketing is designed to grab customers uh, almost subconsciously. Uh, this is actually, this falls into a category, um, where do I have it? Semiotic ontology. Basically, that's the study of how things acquire meaning. Um, while it's usually framed within something like a sign or something um, that represents something, like we all know um, that a stop sign is this shape, that is the standard um, kind of um it's the standard 
framing for what semiotic ontology is. Um, I describe it and others describe it as um, amounting to how something gets meaning. I've extended it into pretty much anything. Well, the article is over at the Washington Post by, uh, it says it's a perspective piece by Michael Andor. Wow, Broder. So, are, are they from Star Wars? Maybe not. Uh, the deck statement says the second coming of the corporate jingle in ads and marketing is designed to grab customers almost subconsciously. Um, the person says, starts out with my husband does this uh, little whistle thing when we're separated, but with an earshot, a quick three note lasso of a tune that snares my attention at any volume. Um, and, uh, this has, this has been in existence for a long time. Um, THX, for instance, has that uh, long warbling sound that is supposed to exemplify what THX is. Uh, a lot of companies have, um, AT&T has their own, NBC has their own, all of the, have these jingles that are, they say it in this article, think of them as highly concentrated jingles. Um, I don't think that this is anything new. Um, it, it, <laughs> it's definitely not something that is, um, earth shattering, uh, earth shattering news, like a Swift concert. Um, but they say here in this article, like my husband's whistle, these sonic identities are capable of creating complex webs of association and attraction. Subconscious reaction to the sound plays a huge part in how our brains decide uh, whether to engage or avoid an experience. Studies have shown that not only do uh, audio stimuli reach the brain nearly twice as fast as visual information, but our reaction time to audio is nearly 30 milliseconds faster. These blips of time matter a lot in uh, increasingly audio first world where much of our information originates from podcasts and streaming services and every second counts. Uh, true. Did, did you say so this is the time to do a plug for the podcast? There you go. Hey, um, the hometowns of podcast, go check it out. Um, and it's basically what you're listening to now, except that only audio and not, not, there is no video component to it. So you can put it on two times the speed and it'll be, uh, twice as unsatisfying. <laughs> Uh, so it says it's not just corporations and brands getting in on the sonic boom. Nonprofit organizations such as the Mellon Foundation, which makes some grants to support communities through the power of arts and humanities, have developed their own sonic identities designed to conjure broad um, mission statements through a carefully, a few carefully selected notes. So, hometowns is this. long in the tooth as you know a, a jingle um and definitely not the tadum of netflix um, but i could probably create something that is a little bit more catchy let's see oh okay um so melon's uh, sunshiny snippet references that's, that's working well and it's identifiable um okay uh wow i I feel like I'm in a little bit of trouble there. Uh, the first work by uh, a black woman composer to be performed 
by a major American orchestra premiered in the Chicago Symphony Orchestra in 1993. Mellon's sunshiny snippet references a few seconds of Price's Symphony No. 1 in E minor, um, of which is the, the work done by... Um, where is it? Florence Price. So, Oh, in Mellon's case, they cribbed the 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 notes from the 20th century composer Florence Price wow so um like always there are uh there's more information over at these articles that we highlight so we always just link to our small snippet that's provided by the source and then you can go over to the source obviously we uh, encourage you having making a comment on hometown uh, but more importantly uh engage here um hang out here on twitch uh, this is where we love doing these live shows and having conversation and, and bringing attention to this news uh, but we also have it over on youtube and it's a podcast and if you leave a five-star review over on the podcast uh, apple in particular um, i will say it verbatim what you write as a review um, as long as it isn't you know um, I don't know. Obscene? Uh, yeah, obscene would probably be the right word. Anyway, um, yeah, and it would help out the show tremendously, both to follow us here on uh, Twitch and um, leave those reviews over on um, Apple Podcasts and, of course, YouTube. Follow us over there. That's where it is in perpetuity. So if you want to look at the older streams, they're over there on YouTube because every 60 days, uh, Twitch deletes the, the oldest uh, stream. Yeah, it's frustrating. Anyway, let's keep on going. We got two more articles. Uh, this next article is, um, well, the title is a 46,000 year old worm found in Siberian permafrost was brought back to life and started having babies. We didn't know about the having babies aspect of it the last time we talked about this which was yesterday thankfully because then we could just kind of ease into this story <laughs> yeah i mean i actually got to go to sleep last night now i'm a little sleeping with one eye open so this is titled having babies after permafrost thaw i was gonna make a menopause joke but i figured that it would be too abstract Scientists revived a 46,000-year-old worm that was living in Siberian permafrost, and when they brought it back to life, the worm started having babies. It's a nematode, by the way. Small worms like these are known to have the ability to shut down biological functions to survive, but this is parthenogenesis, um, which is basically, they don't require a mate. It's... Uh, I'm so I I know what parthenogenesis is, but I don't know if it's the same thing as asexual reproduction, but it is because basically no matter what it is, it basically spins up the reproductive system um, in itself to have kids to continue the lineage. Um, and it's part and parcel to the the whole um um sorry what is it called 
island well, on Jurassic Park. Right, but it, it's interesting because it's sometimes considered to be a sexual uh, rep reproduction, but it's actually better described as an incomplete form of sexual reproduction. Mm, okay. So it's yeah. one of these kind of, it doesn't really fit into a Quasi. good category. Gotcha. Basically, they can fertilize their own eggs and um, have babies. But this this one is 46,000 years old. And hence my comment about. Anyway, doesn't look a year over 45,000. The article, though, is over at uh, businessinsider.com. Rebecca Cohen and Jenny McGrath are the author. I don't know what this arrow is pointing at because I haven't seen the actual article with that arrow, but maybe there's little black dots right here that might be eggs or something. I don't know. Um, but anyway, instantly started reproducing. So come on, just stop. You're 46,000 years old. Do you really need kids? I mean, I mean, maybe the worm was like, geez, I'm ready to catch these babies already i've been carrying these for forty-six thousand years get them out of me yeah i don't know i mean if that's what they are right there the little because you can see little black dots right here right there right there um and i don't know what this is that might be a nerve cord or something i don't know um or i don't know what it is anyway just why why thaw this thing just so that it can and th this is how you end up with an invasive species that takes over your brain and turns humans into zombies there's another okay, story i think you've seen too many sci-fi movies well i'm gonna go and have the the uh the chat gpt write a story about it um so according to a press release, the worm spent thousands of years in a type of dormancy called cryptobiosis in that state, which can last almost indefinitely. All metabolic processes pause, including reproduction, development, and repair per the University of Hawaii at Manoa. Um, previously, Plectus, Murray, Murray, and uh, Tylenchus, polyhyp hypnus nematodes were resurrected from moss and uh, herbarium specimens after a few dozen years according to live science this new species however called panagrolimus colimansis was dormant for tens of thousands of years longer yeah they say close to 50,000 so yeah, we don't even know what it is, man. I mean, we do, but for crying out loud, it's 50,000 years old. It was extinct until they resurrected it from not being, uh, to not being extinct. And now there's a whole bunch of them. COVID 2025. Oh, no. Yeah, I've said it. Uh, and the last article for tonight is in the Hometown Daily uh, channel. A manager at a Pennsylvania uh, Wendy's invented a fake employee and pocketed wages of $20,000, uh, police say. I titled this one, A New Take on Dual Income. Uh, the ex-manager 
of a Pennsylvania Wendy's made up a fake employee to pocket extra wages, police say. She manually clocked the ghost employee in and out for 128 shifts. The woman was charged with theft by deception and an arrest warrant issued. So a former general manager of a Wendy's restaurant in Pennsylvania, who police said make a, made up a fake employee, a ghost employee. Grace Dean is the author of this article over at businessinsider.com. Wendy's isn't smiling at this. That's for sure. For those who are in the podcast, it it they've got a picture of a a very shiny Wendy's sign with Wendy's kind of Wendy is uh, uh, has a big smile. Anyway, um, 128 shifts. I mean, for crying out loud, that's, that's kind of an elaborate con, right? Uh, it's long a long con, at least. It's an amazing amount of dedication. Um, I suppose if they would have been as dedicated to their job as they were to creating this fake um, employee, maybe they'd be, I don't know, the owner of the Wendy's, not a manager. Linda Johnson created a ghost employee named William Bright. Wow, actually created a full-on person whom she clocked in and out at the outlet she managed in Lancaster, the Mannheim Township Police Department said last week. Johnson kept up the scheme for close to a year, during which time she manually logged 128 shifts, her fake worker, who was paid $20,000 between June 2021 and May last year. Wow. Anyway, multiple employees. Go ahead. Did anybody there kind of go, oh, where's um, Bright? Bright today like why isn't bright working <laughs> they're on the schedule or whatever <laughs> yeah well they probably were never actually scheduled right like it wasn't public accessible oh, i see there right. was nothing there ever it was only in the cooked books which is ironic for our wendy's right it is, is it... fast funds is that what this is uh I was trying to think of something with frosty, but I couldn't come up with it. <laughs> An extra 20 grand is pretty frosty. Uh, police said the paychecks were deposited into her cash app account. The restaurant's insurer paid out almost $16,000 for the incident. Huh. Yeah. Wendy's was too busy drinking a shake. Didn't immediately respond to requests for comment. That's an amazing amount of uh, dedication to stealing 20 grand. I mean, they're going to end up in jail over 20 grand. Right. And like you said, I mean, if they'd applied half of that energy to something else, they might have actually made 20 grand legitimately. Yeah, pretty amazing. Uh, well, okay, folks, that is it for Omtown Daily. We uh, always bring you back to the front, the, the welcome sign, the main street of Omtown, and then uh, refresh our front page. And there's all kinds of news, but a lot of it is uh, political tonight as well. So um, we'll end up talking about this tomorrow. Trader Joe's recalls falafel and broccoli cheddar soup for possible rocks. This is the second one in as many weeks, I think. Um, different products. I'm not quite sure what's going on, but I, I foresee a rocky road for Trader Joe's in their marketing campaigns. 
Well, we haven't extra... seen rocks appearing in their ice cream yet. But... Not yet. Yeah. Um. Let's see what else. Uh, what about Tesla opening showrooms on tribal land to avoid um, state laws? Oh, wow. That's interesting. I suppose if they throw enough money at uh, the tribe, then they'll allow it. But <laughs> that's amazing. Because if uh, so, um, tribal lands don't align directly with all federal or state laws. Um, and so that's why you can have uh, casinos on tribal lands. Um, but that came with a whole lot of issues when casinos came into existence on tribal lands. Um, anyway, that's kind of fascinating. Um, even legal issues. I know of a few legal situations that uh, involve tribal lands and casinos and uh, even the, the prosecution of those cases um, act different uh, than a standard legal case. Pretty fascinating. Um, anyway, yeah, we'll have to talk about that. That'll be interesting. Um, and we'll find another, uh, we typically choose from about, well, I don't know how many hundreds, but, uh, we whittle them down to about 30 or so. And uh, then from there down to 20. So if you find any that you are interested in, or even have a source that you think would be an asset to hometown.com's news aggregation, uh, send it to mayor at hometown.com and um, that would be great. Would appreciate it. We've already added a couple uh, based on uh, viewer input. So thanks very much for coming and hanging out. Uh, I am Mayor Watt. That is hometown.com way up there. Hold on. There you go. That is hometown.com. And the AI has been with us the whole time. You want to say good night? Oh, great AI. Well, I would, except you just said good night. So, bye-bye, uh, and we will see you tomorrow at 9 p.m. Eastern. Bye-bye. <laughs> uh, <laughs> see you tomorrow, folks. Mm -hmm.